God's good, isn't he? So we're going to start a little different tonight. I don't know if he already started the CD, but if he did, we'll just stop it for a second. And uh, sometimes in between the worship and the word, we have all that business going on, and sometimes we just need to reconnect. So if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I'd like you to just start praying in your prayer language. If you're not, just start worshiping the Lord. Father, we just love you. We reconnect now to the Spirit of God that's in us. Father, we say, have your way in this service tonight. You're good. You're so good, and your mercy endures forever and ever and ever. So thankful for the price you paid on the cross so that we could stand before you and pray. Hallelujah. Thank you for your peace in this place tonight. Let every mind that's just going squirrely just come back into peace. Let the distractions be gone now in Jesus' name. Use my mouth to speak your words tonight. Give me unction, give me utterance that these words just pierce the heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we can start it. Are you ready for the word tonight? Somebody asked me what I was teaching tonight, and I said, I'm teaching something. <laughs> so the title of my message tonight is something. Everyone say something. I'm going to be teaching on something. So um, recently, uh, anybody have a room in their house that becomes the catch-all? <laughs> or two. <laughs> or three. <laughs> so recently, our basement has become the catch-all. My son has one section for his bedroom, and then the rest of it was just started out really nice and clean, and then just was overwhelming to look at by this past weekend. And so it's such a big project that I went into denial and avoidance mode. Have you ever done that? <laughs> I'd go down to, at night to pray for my son or go down to change the load of laundry, and I would just put the blinder on. I'm not looking at that because it was so overwhelming. I would have heart palpitations and start, you know, oh my gosh, it's like claustrophobic. The mess was claustrophobic. And sometimes we get that way in life, right? It's so big, we don't know even where to start. I don't even know where to start. It's so big and overwhelming to think of that we go into denial and avoidance mode and we don't even know where to start. So we don't do anything. So we can look at this world sometimes, and it's so overwhelming and heartbreaking, right, ISIS? The images of the people getting beheaded overseas, it's so overwhelming and heartbreaking that we don't even know where to start. We don't know what part we can have. We don't know what we can do. So what do you do? You scroll right past it. Or you flip the channel because it's so overwhelming, you can't even hardly deal with it. Or when you hear about the sex trafficking that's going on, right? or the homeless situation, or the flooding that's happening down south, or all these different things that are going on. The things in this world can be so overwhelming and heartbreaking that we don't even know where to start or what to do, so we go into denial and avoidance mode. We're just not even going to think about that. <laughs> and so that's what we're going to look about, or look at tonight. Everybody's called to do? We can't do all of it, but we all have a part. And there's something that we can do. And even that task, that overwhelming task of cleaning my basement, when I just started, you just pick something and start. You find a point to start. 
and then you do the next thing, and then you do the next thing, and when you break it down into smaller bite-sized pieces, it's not quite so overwhelming. So we're going to look at something tonight. Jesus knew his something, didn't he? Jesus knew his purpose, and we're going to read in Luke 13 real quick. Luke 13, verse 32. And um, it's, verse 31 says, At that time some Pharisees said to him, Get away from here if you want to live. Herod Antipas wants to kill you. And Jesus replied, Go tell that fox that I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and the third day I will accomplish my purpose. And so he was referring to the cross there. He said, you go tell him, I'm going to keep casting out devils. I'm going to keep healing the sick. And on the third day, I'm going to accomplish my something. On the third day, I'm going to accomplish my purpose. Jesus knew his purpose in this life was to die. His purpose in this life was the cross. But he didn't start there, did he? He wasn't born in the manger on December 25th and then die on the cross December 26th the same year. There was a process in getting to the purpose. There was a process in getting to his something. And uh, we all have a something, and our something is different. And if you read through the epistles, the Apostle Paul, at the beginning of every one of his books, I think, except one, he said, this is from Paul, called to be an apostle by Jesus Christ. It's I, Paul, called to be an apostle. I, Paul, called to be an apostle. He knew what his something was, and he plugged into it with all of his heart. And so we all have a something, and it's going to be different. It's going to be unique for every person. I'm called to teach. That's my purpose. It's my passion. It's what I plug into. It's what I know I'm called to do. And some of you are called to be teachers. Some of you are called to be administrators, bankers, lawyers, mothers, Some of you are just stay-at-home moms, and that's all you're going to be, and that's fabulous. There's nothing wrong with that. I would love that purpose. (laughs) I've been jealous of people with that purpose. But we all have a different purpose. Some people are called to be soldiers, and I think that's a calling. People that go into the military, that is a calling from heaven. I believe it with all my heart. Police officers, plumbers, everybody has a different something. But there are some, some things that we all have in common, right? When Jesus walked this earth, he gave us all some, some things that we have in common. Especially when relating to this overwhelming, heartbreaking world that we live in. In Jesus, his something, the cross, there were things that he showed us to do that are our some things. And sometimes when we look at the big picture of it, we get so overwhelmed that we back up and do nothing. And so what we want to do tonight is kind of break down the big picture a little bit so that we can start and so that we're not so overwhelmed so that we can look at it and do something. Okay, are you ready? So we're going to look at the Great Commission. Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the big picture, but it can be overwhelming. And so we're going to break it down. Matthew 9, 35 is our first something. And before Jesus ever said go, 
he said this in verse 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. And so before Jesus ever said, go, what did he say? Pray. We can all do that, can't we? (laughs) How many are going to agree that we are all called to pray? So when we look at this overwhelming, heartbreaking, big picture in our world, there is something that we can do. And the first something that we can do is pray. He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the harvest. That was his first response. Jesus' first response was pray. He, I love how it said that he saw the crowds and he was moved with compassion on them. He saw the crowds and he wasn't overwhelmed, but he saw the crowds and he was moved with compassion. And so sometimes I haven't been moved with compassion. Sometimes my world has been so incredibly crazy that I look at the news and I do just scroll past. And it doesn't touch my heart. And so you know what the first thing I pray when I realize that is? Lord, (laughs) help me to see. Help me to see this the way that you see this. Help me to have compassion. Help me to have your eyes to see this. Because if I'm not moved with compassion, compassion is what moves you to action. Compassion is what always moved Jesus to action. So if we're not doing anything, we're going to check up on our compassion and say, Father, give me eyes to see things the way that you see them so that I know how to pray. And what he prayed there was, Lord, send laborers into the harvest. And so we can all do this. The action here is to pray. Our first something is to pray. Help me see the crowds the way that you see them. Help me to have compassion. Lord, send laborers. And then, Lord, hear my send me. We need to also recognize that we are a laborer. Say, I am a laborer. So we're praying for God to send laborers into the lives of our loved ones. You know, I have a loved one that wasn't serving God. And I, I was like, oh, so frustrated that they weren't walking with God. So frustrated that they weren't serving God. And God said, if you really loved them, and I would talk to them about God. I would be telling them all about my Jesus. And they weren't changing, and they weren't changing, and they weren't receiving it, and they didn't want anything to do with it. And the Holy Spirit said, if you really loved them, you'd be on your knees for them. Would shut up and pray, basically. (laughs) This wasn't doing anything, but this would. Right? So we're praying for God to send laborers across our family members' paths, but guess what you are? And someone's praying for you. And someone's praying for you and your words and your words and your words and your words and your words. So I'm praying for him to send laborers at the same time that I'm saying, here I am, Lord, send me somewhere. So our first something is to pray. 
Well, I don't know what to pray. Well, Lord, send laborers. <laughs> that harvest, that overwhelming harvest field is huge. Lord, send prayer, laborers into Iraq. Send laborers into Afghanistan. You know, God even loves and died for the people that are doing the beheading. God loves the people that are doing the beheading. Do you realize that Saul was one of them? The Apostle Paul would have been one of them? Killing Christians. He did it. He approved of it. He was on a mission for it. But somebody prayed for the Apostle Paul. Oh, God, protect your people over there. Yeah, but Father, send laborers to the ones doing the beheading. They need you. Because if they have a revelation of who they are, guess what? If they have a revelation of him, they're going to stop this. Even their lives can change. If God could change the Apostle Paul, who are we to limit him in who he can minister to? Mm-mm. He paid for all. The only thing that limits our prayers is our finite mind. We reason that out. They're bad. We're going to pray for the good ones, pray for the protection, which is good. We need to pray that he would protect his people and protect his church. Like when he, they beheaded James and then they took Paul or Peter into prison, they were going to behead him. And what was the church doing? praying nonstop for his release, and God released him, and God protected him. But God is big enough and great enough and strong enough and mighty enough and smart enough to find a way to reveal himself to the evil ones. Let that sink in for a little bit. We can also pray Zechariah 10.1. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, the Lord will make flashing clouds. He'll release his glory. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. Harvest for everyone. Ask of the Lord rain. James 5, 7 says the farmer is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth until he receives the early and the latter rain together. Acts 2 the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where Peter said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. What's going to happen before Jesus comes back? He's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Did it say he was going to pour out his spirit on saved flesh? All flesh. This revival that's coming is going to just outshine anything we've ever seen. I think people are going to fall out into the power of God in the parking lot before they ever get in here to repent of their sins because his power is going to be so mighty. Why? Because his church is saying, we want the rain, Father. We want the rain. You said the early and the latter rain together, and we are not stopping till we see it. We're asking you to send it in Jesus' name. Because there's going to be a people that's not so overwhelmed with this big, overwhelming, heartbreaking picture because they've broken it down to say, hey, all we have to do is ask for the rain, and he does the rest. Amen. It's not so overwhelming when we look at the one who does the work. We don't have to do the work. 
We just do the asking and watch him do the amazing, miraculous work. Amen? Are we going to pray? We're going to pray, aren't we? All right, the next something that he put in my heart was so. Not S-O. <laughs> S-O-W. <laughs> Everybody say so. All right, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 10. Or 8 through something. Or we might start with 6. We'll see. 6. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously, say generously, will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And that's what Pastor Michael was talking about tonight. I'm like, you're preaching my message. Sit down. That's what I was thinking nicely in my head. You never know what's going on in our heads over there. So anyway, you must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And, you, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the sower and bread to eat. Say he provides seed and bread. I'm not supposed to eat my seed. Okay. Seed to the sower and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. Say, I am generous. The love of Jesus on the inside of us makes us generous. And another thing that we can do to help in this overwhelming, heartbreaking mess of a world that we live in is so, and to give. And it's so opposite of the spirit of this world, which is me, 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 me. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. And I read this thing. I, I, have, a, I have a day job. I'm a virtual executive assistant. Isn't that fancy? <laughs> I'm a secretary for someone who lives in another state. How about that? <laughs> and one of my jobs is to process the statement giving letters once a quarter. And the one that came through had such a cool story of generosity that I wanted to just read it because it goes so well here. Um, it was one of our affiliate presidents uh, shared this story. He said, recently I gave some money to my grandkids, Jack and Katie. They were to find a person or a charity whose needs were meaningful to them, give the money, and then tell us about it. Our son took the kids to an organization that provides counseling and housing for people in need. The kids were ushered around and given age-appropriate information about their work. Katie, the oldest, asked some good questions and happily handed over the money. 
Jack was not parting with the cash quite that easily. He had no questions except why he would give these nice crisp bills to someone he had just met. Chris stepped in explaining, Jack, the money's given to you to give away to help others. Please give the money to the nice man. And Jack clutched the money tightly saying, but I like money. (laughs) The folks at the charity thought this was cute. Eventually, Jack handed over the cash. Jack is smart and he likes money. He likes it a lot. So my wife Nancy and I thought about this. Then she noted this is a sketch of all of us in the early stages of giving. It was never Jack's money anyway. It was a gift given to him so that he could give it away. That was its purpose. That was my aha moment. Just as our money is never ours, it passes through our hands with God's trust that we will purpose in our hearts where it should go. God is full of love and abundance. He provides for both of our needs, or both for our needs, and to pass on to others. We worship a great God. He gives and asks that we give in return. Nancy and I have a plan to loosen the death grip that Jack has on his piggy bank. It involves giving Jack a dollar and then another one with the admonition that this one's to keep and this one's to give away. We hope to witness the four-year-old version of Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus without being struck blind, of course. Eventually, we think Jack will have, the, have heard the give it away part often enough that he gives serious thought to giving freely in his life. It could work. And I like that 2 Corinthians 9, it fits right in there. We're, we're called to be generous. And like Pastor Michael said, it is not about a dollar amount. When the widow went into the temple and gave her two mites, and Jesus said that she had given more than anybody else that had even walked in that day, it's not about a dollar amount. And I hear people all the time say, well, if I hit the lottery, then I'll give big to the church. No, you won't. You absolutely will not. If you're not going to part with the $1 that you have, then you're not going to part with the million dollars once it comes into your hand because it's not an amount issue. Generosity is a heart issue. And generosity is not just about money. He's calling us to live generous lives with the four T's. Does anyone know what the four T's are? Our time, our talent, our treasure, and our tongue. We're not to withhold in any of those four areas. We need to live generously and sow in every one of those areas. If all you're given is money and you're stingy with your time, your talent, and your tongue, you're still not living a generous life. Right? And what happens when we live a generous life? I like this verse in the Amplified Bible. Let me read it real quick. That one in 2 Corinthians. It says, then God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. That's New King James. I thought it was amplified. Hold on. I'm like, this does not sound like it. Oh, I'm not connected to the internet. Well, never mind. <laughs> Look it up in the amplified when you get home. That's your homework. Second Corinthians 9, 8. Look it up in the amplified when you get home. See what happens when you depend on technology? That's why I like the old paper and pen, people. So so another something that we can do is sow. 
And the last something that we're going to look at tonight is go. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28. Where Jesus, it was after he was raised from the dead and he's imparting some last thoughts. These are the last thoughts he gave his disciples before he ascended back to heaven. He said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go make disciples. So go is something that we can do. And let me tell you something. This is not just talking about Africa. This is not just talking about India. In Acts chapter 1, is another version of this. And he, the, they asked him, in ver one of the verses, I can't read it without my glasses on. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? That's what they had looked for the whole time he was on the earth. That's why his death looked so horrible to them <laughs> because they thought he had come to restore this natural kingdom. And that, that was the last question they asked him before he ascended back to heaven. Has the time now come? for you to restore, to free us and restore. So they still weren't quite getting it. And he said, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so he's telling them the same thing, go. You're going to witness about me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. And to us, Jerusalem is way over there. Like we'd have to really go on a mission trip to go to Jerusalem. So him telling them, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, is like him coming here and saying, go into the, all the world and preach the gospel. Go to Warren, go to Niles, go to Lordstown, and then go to the uttermost parts of the earth. When we read the Great Commission, we think, wow, I can't go on a mission trip. I'm a mom. I have a job. I have this. I have that. And all these excuses why it's so overwhelming that I can't go. But really, you can. You can go to your neighbor. Everybody can go to their neighbor, even the crazy one on the other side. <laughs> Everybody's got a crazy neighbor. <laughs> we can go to our neighbor, Right? We can go to Jefferson, can't we? Operation Impact, McGuffey. We can go to McGuffey. <laughs> we can go to McGuffey. When they say, who wants to go love on these kids and show them Jesus? That's part of our something. Everyone say something. Everyone say, I have a something. We can go to McGuffey. Easy easy. We can go to Victory Kids, can't we? <laughs> That's somebody something. And you're not just babysitting. You are not. You're imparting life and power and the Word of God into kids that can go and take it to their schools, right? 
God still goes to school every day with my kids. Every day. And these kids go into public schools every day and carry what they put into them. And that could be you preaching and ministering the gospel, encouraging them about who they are in Christ at this age so they don't have to go through and unlearn all the gunk that we had to unlearn because we didn't hear it because we didn't have somebody full of the power of God teaching us. Right? See, I can go to Victory Kids. All right, write them all down. They said it, girls. (laughs) You can go give them your names after. (laughs) But that's somewhere. That's somebody's something. We can. We can do that. We can go to the homeless shelter, can't we? We can give our clothes away instead of having that garage sale. Wouldn't that be generous? We all have a something. And every single one of us has a valuable something. So stop comparing your something to somebody else's something. Everyone is valuable. We might not all be the Apostle Paul who went on a bajillion missionary journeys and wrote three quarters of the New Testament and blessed people for 2,000 years with the letters that he wrote. But we could all be Cornelius. Do you know who Cornelius was? God appealed to Cornelius and said, go get him. Pray for the apostle Paul. He wasn't that at the time. He was Saul. He was Isis. God told Cornelius to go into the thick of Isis and talk to their leader. (laughs) We could be Cornelius. Cornelius wasn't up here. Cornelius was praying in his house. We can all be Barnabas. Barnabas took Paul under his wing. Barnabas didn't write three quarters in the New Testament. But Barnabas impacted Saul's life so that he could. Our something affects other people's something. And if we don't do our something... What if there was no Cornelius? What if he said, no way, I'm not going into Isis Den and talking to their leader. I can't do that. I'm too scared. What if Barnabas hadn't taken Paul under his wing? We can all be the woman at the well that as soon as she met Jesus, she was so excited, she went back to her town and told everybody about him. Every single one. And they came out to the well to meet him. We can all be the woman at the well. Say, I have a something. We all just need to find our something. We all need to actually just do our something. Don't let fear hold you back. Mm-mm. Because all he needs is a willing vessel. All he really needs is an empty vessel. <laughs> So that he can pour his power in, and then all we have to do is pour it out. It's not putting us on the spot. He's okay being put on the spot. Because he's big enough to do whatever we ask him to do. Amen? Amen. Say, I will find my something. something. Say, "I I will do my something. Father, I thank you for this time we had to share around your word tonight. I pray that these words would just pierce our hearts.
that you would just begin to reveal to each and every one of us in here tonight what our something is. And that when we get up tomorrow, we won't be overwhelmed by the day, but you'll help us to break it down, to pray, to sow, to go, Father. You'll show us each one of us which part of that to do where in our day. Father, we surrender to you. We yield ourselves to you. We yield our lives to you. We say, have your way in us, to us, through us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Anything else? All right, you're dismissed. Have a great night.